Welcome to a new weekly podcast series called USERF Spotlight, hosted by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, an independent federal advisory body. During each episode, Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, features a special guest to dive deeper on various topics and breaking developments that impact the universal right to freedom of religion or belief around the globe. Welcome to USERV Spotlight. I'm Dwight Bashir. Today we're going to discuss the continued closure of the Greek Orthodox Theological School of Halki, also known as the Halki Seminary. The Turkish government closed this seminary some 50 years ago this year. And during that time, the school has remained unable to educate or train clergy in a country with a historic but dwindling Greek Orthodox community. Situated in Hebeladia, in the Sea of Marmara, not far from Istanbul, the Turkish government closed the seminary in 1971 in accordance with a constitutional decision that banned the operation of private institutions of higher learning. The ecumenical patriarchate has regularly raised this issue with the Turkish government, given the obstacle that the seminary's continued closure poses for the survival of that community within Turkey. The international community, including U.S. presidents and other high-ranking officials from the United States and Europe, have similarly called for its reopening to no avail, unfortunately. Although Turkish officials have at times appeared inclined to support the reopening of the seminary, none have taken any concrete steps to do so. USERF has regularly noted the continued closure of the Halki Seminary as a long-standing religious freedom violation in the country. It has repeatedly urged the Turkish government to immediately allow the seminary to reopen and to extend similar rights to train, educate, and appoint clergy without government interference to all religious communities in Turkey, including Armenian, Apostolic, and Protestant Christians. Most recently, in our latest annual report released just last month, USERF again recommended that the U.S. government raise in all meetings with Turkish officials and press at the highest levels for the reopening of the Greek Orthodox Halki Seminary. We're very fortunate today to have joining us His Eminence Archbishop Elpidophoros, head of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of America. Welcome, Your Eminence. Thank you, Mr. Bashir. It's a joy for me to be with you. Thank you again. Yes, why don't we start right off the bat? Uh, Can you please explain uh, to the audience the importance of the Halki Seminary to the Ecumenical Patriarchate and what has been the impact of its closure over the last 50 years to the Greek Orthodox community in Turkey and the uh, global Orthodox Church more broadly? And in your view, what does it uh, portend for the future of the patriarchate and its leadership? Uh, Thank you for dealing with this so uh, much important issue of the Halki Theological School, not only for the ecumenical patriarchate itself in Turkey, but uh, for the whole jurisdiction of the ecumenical patriarchate all over the world and the whole orthodoxy. Uh, the importance of the ecumenical patriarchate uh, derives from uh, the importance of the Halki theological school. It derives from the importance and the place of the ecumenical patriarchate in the Orthodox Church. You know that the ecumenical patriarchate is the first church in the rank and the protocol of the Orthodox churches all over the world. So such an institution, which is the center of orthodoxy all over the world, uh, to be deprived from its 
possibility to educate its own clergy and future bishops and priests means uh, a, a huge loss, not only for the patriarchate, but also uh, for the uh, jurisdiction of the ecumenical patriarchate and among others here in the United States. Uh, the impact of this closure, it's, as you said, it's 50 years. This year we have the 50th year of its closure. It means that we lost, Mr. Bashir, two generations of priests and clergy and bishops of the church who are not educated in the only educational institution, the theological school, the only school that the ecumenical patriarchate has in Istanbul. Two generations of loss is, uh, is, a, is it's a big loss. And among other importance uh, about this loss is that the ecumenical patriarchate, like every church, has its own tradition, has its own mentality and mindset. If you cannot educate the priest, your priests, your future clergy and, and bishops with your own mentality and mindset, then you have an influence from other areas of the world which are not always compatible with your tradition. I don't mention the violation of the human rights and the religious freedom, which is behind that. This is another chapter. There are so many dimensions of this closure that we have to take into account. For the future of the ecumenical patriarchate and its leadership, the Turkish government has made very positive steps in the last years. And these steps are providing and offering the Turkish citizenship for those bishops of the ecumenical patriarchate who wish to have the Turkish nationality as a second citizenship. But this doesn't resolve the problem because the coexistence of many cultures, religions, and languages in, uh, in Istanbul uh, and what this experience means for the future leaders of our church, you cannot get it just taking and receiving the citizenship. So I mean that Turkey loses a lot by not uh, providing the ecumenical patriarchate this opportunity to educate its future priests in Istanbul, living there, getting the mentality and the tradition of the ecumenical patriarchate, which is a tradition of peaceful coexistence and love and, uh, and cooperation with all nations, languages, and religions. This is not something that you inherit by getting the Turkish nationality. Thank you for that uh, explanation. Can you, can you tell us then uh, what was behind the, uh, the Turkish government's decision to close the school, the seminary, so many years ago? And how does the current government under President Erdogan continue to justify its closure to this day? I mean, at times we've seen uh, Turkish officials, including President Erdogan, you know, publicly, you know, predicate the reopening of the Halki Seminary on reciprocal gestures from Greece. Uh, can you also then explain why Turkey conditions this religious freedom? Uh, of its own citizens on this principle of reciprocity. So really, it's about uh, what's the justification now and why do they keep using reciprocity with Greece? Um, this is, again, a very important dimension of, uh, of our theological school. Uh, the official uh, explanation in 1971 was that, as you said at your introduction, 
this school was closed like many other schools because it didn't fall into the public schools of uh, high education. I remind all of us that it was 50 years ago that the Turkish government decided that the higher education institutions should be under, uh, not private, but under a direct public uh, government. So uh, uh, many other schools of higher education, which were private, were closed down, and among them, our theological school too. But in the meantime, In Turkey, we have so many, so many private universities that the only exception of the theological school being still after 50 years closed means that there are other reasons there and not not the letter of the law uh, that was applied to the ecumenical patriarchate in 1971. The expectation uh, of the Turkish government today to reopen Kalki Theological School is based on the reciprocity with Greece and the relations with Greece. And here is the real reason behind the Turkish government's decision to close our theological school. And I remind you that in 1971, like, like it happens even today after 50 years, the Cyprus issue was in the center of the Greek and Turkish relations and created much tense. And of course, as it happens in this kind of situations, the minorities, uh, the ethnic and religious minorities suffer. And we suffered, the Greeks of Istanbul and Greeks of Turkey, we suffered from this tense between the two countries and the price, among others, because it was not the only price we paid, the Greeks of Istanbul, the price was the closure of theological school. And now the expectation of the Turkish government as a reciprocal action Uh, to open uh, the Halki Theological School is that Greece should do this or that with uh, the, uh, the minorities existing in Greece. I really don't understand this reciprocity idea because uh, of some reasons. First of all, for human rights and religious uh, freedom issues, you cannot uh, base uh, your arguments on reciprocity. If a neighbor country you think is violating the human rights and religious freedom of some minorities in that neighboring country, this is not a reason for you to do the same in your own country with your own citizen. And this is exactly what's happening now. But uh, I'm speaking now as an American representing all the Greek Americans and all Americans, because as Americans, we cannot understand when we sit with Turkey and we express our expectations for uh, respect of the religious uh, rights and freedom of our mother church in Constantinople, we don't understand why this is related to what Greece is doing or not doing uh, uh, in Athens or elsewhere in the country. Uh, We are Americans. We uh, offer all uh, the freedom and human rights that all our citizens here Um, enjoy in full freedom, and we expect an ally of the United States, which hosts the mother church of the Archdiocese of America, which is the biggest Orthodox jurisdiction in the country, that our mother church enjoys the same rights and the same freedom that all citizens here uh, enjoy, including Muslim or other religions. So reciprocity for human rights is not relevant 
we cannot apply this uh, this argument of reciprocity for human rights issues. And second, we cannot expect that any other third country should do something for our mother church to be respected in Turkey. As I mentioned earlier, Yusuf uh, has regularly recommended, of course, that the U.S. government raise the reopening of the Halki Seminary and all of its meetings with Turkish officials. And we know that the previous administration raised the issue, and and it's uh, reasonable to believe that the current Biden administration will continue uh, to do so as well, given uh, President Biden's past history of raising Halki with Turkish officials uh, when he was the vice president. But what else, in your estimation, uh, should the U.S. government do to press for the reopening of Halki and to support the ecumenical patriarchate and other religious minorities in Turkey? Uh, it is true that all administrations in the United States from all political parties were very clear every time with the negotiations with Turkish governments that the expectation of the United States government is that the religious freedom in the country should be respected, that the ecumenical patriarchate should enjoy all the rights and the freedom that it deserves from its history. And we are very much convinced that this administration will continue the same policy uh, towards uh, this direction. Of course, we, we don't understand, as I said, why Turkey is not responding and why Turkey is still insisting in its negotiations with the U.S. government to bring the example of Greece or the problems that uh, Greece and Turkey have with each other to justify if ever someone could justify actions against human rights and religious freedom to justify this behavior to the uh, Greek minority in, in Turkey. And I want to remind everybody that the Greek minority in Turkey are not immigrants from somewhere. They are not people who immigrated and established later. And they are local people who were there for at least 17 centuries. So as uh, equal Turkish citizens, they uh, expect their rights, human rights, religious freedom be respected. And the fact that the numbers over the last 80 years in Istanbul and all over Turkey, the number of the minority, of the Greek minority, is falling so low, is an indication that something is not right. Yes, indeed. And obviously, the continued closure of the Halki Seminary is just one of a series of restrictions and other limitations that the Turkish government uses to control religion and, and religious communities in the country. You know, I know we've been focusing on, on Halki, but could you tell us a little bit about what are some of the other obstacles that the ecumenical patriarchate faces in its efforts to exist and function in Turkey today that you would consider also uh, high priorities? We all agree that the, the closure of Halki uh, Theological School, for the reasons I already mentioned uh, before, is an anachronistic, doesn't apply to modern values that we all share, and the Turkish people shares too. Uh, so it, it's a decision that uh, was taken in another context, which is irrelevant to the modern society in the world as it is today. Uh, of course, there are uh, other um, 
issues, very important issues that our ecumenical patriarchy is facing. First is the number of the faithful in Turkey, which is falling day by day. And this is due to the policy, uh, not, uh, not a recent policy, but it's a, it's a series of measures against minorities, the hostility to everything that is Christian or at least non-Muslim in the country, the support of the nationalistic and uh, very Islamistic circles who gain power and who are threatening the presence of any other religion or any other minority in the country doesn't give the feeling to the non-Muslim minorities in Turkey or the feeling of that they are safe and they are welcome. Being more specific, we of course uh, need to uh, remember that the ecumenical patriarchate, the highest institution in the Orthodox Church for Turkey doesn't legally exist. There is no legal entity in Turkey with the title ecumenical patriarchate or whichever title they want to apply on this institution. So de jure, the ecumenical patriarchate doesn't exist in Turkey. It exists only de facto. And this is a paradox. This is another anachronism that we need to, uh, to, uh, to address uh, very soon. Of course, there are some other property issues confiscated. Uh, some of them were given back, but still uh, there is a, a, a big number of properties, church properties that are uh, confiscated. And among these properties are monasteries, whole monasteries which are confiscated by the state and they are not given back to the legal owners, which is the ecumenical patriarchate. Thank you so much. And I can tell you that uh, certainly Yusuf will continue to document uh, a lot of the challenges you've raised today. Unfortunately, we've run out of time, but I want to thank uh, His Eminence Archbishop Elbito Foros for taking the time to join us today and sharing his insights on these crucial and critical issues uh, in Turkey today. You can learn more about religious freedom issues in Turkey and find uh, USERF's policy recommendations on our website at www.uscirf.gov. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on USERF Spotlight. To learn more about USERF and about global religious freedom concerns, visit usurf.gov. That's U-S-C-I-R-F dot gov. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at U-S-C-I-R-F. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another USERF Spotlight.